Welcome back to part two of Pastor Tim's message, The Great Divider, from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. The cross divides time, and it divides humanity. That division has been pictured as sheep and goats, but it is a harder concept to swallow when we begin talking about how the cross divides some families. Fathers from sons, mothers from daughters. In that way, even the Prince of Peace can be considered the great divider. Here's Pastor Tim. Number two, I want you to see that the great dividing place is the cross. The great dividing place is the cross. Let's go back to verse number 49. We kind of picked up in the middle of our section, so let's go back to the beginning of it. When you read verses 49 and 50, it's almost like it leaves you scratching your head wondering what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about that that one thing, (laughs) that one historical event that divides people all over the world at all periods of time. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the cross. Notice verse number 49. He begins by saying, I came. He's about to say the reason why I came or I have come, your translation may say. Seems like a simple phrase, but it's a powerful one. For Jesus to say, I have, as Sage so well said today, he said, here he is in glory in heaven and he steps down out of that to humble himself as a man, to humble himself further as a servant, to humble himself even further to die, to humble himself even further to die a criminal's death of execution on the cross. Why has he come? Why has he come to do that? He says here, I came to send fire on the earth. I came to send fire on the earth. Listen to some of these other times when he says that. These are all out of the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I have come. All right, so here it is. Here's another another purpose, right? I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I like that one. That's a good one. I don't like that I can't, I've come to bring fire. I, I like that I've come to give them life and have a life more abundant. I like this one too. He also says, I have come as a light into the world. That's great. I need that. I, I need a light on my path. I need a light to illuminate my way. I I need that. I, I like that. I like this one too. He says, For this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Each one of those verses emphasizes a part of Jesus's mission. I came to give you life. I came, I came to give you light. I came to give you legitimacy. You've rejected all of those. So now I've come to light you up. (laughs) I, I have come to bring fire on the earth. In the Bible, fire is always a picture of judgment. And and so when Jesus has this this interaction with the blind man, the man who's born blind in John chapter number nine, that he gives sight to. He tells the blind man this. Listen to this. I don't, think I've, I don't think I usually think about this verse when I think about that story. 
Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. He's dividing them, isn't he? He's dividing those who can see from those who can't see. He's dividing them how? Through judgment. He says, for judgment I have come into this world. And it is the cross that is the place of that judgment. That's where the division takes place. It's it's at the cross where Jesus is judged for the sins that I have committed. The sins that you are personally guilty of. That's what Jesus takes on himself. That's why it becomes the great dividing place. That's why he becomes the great dividing person. It is Christ on the cross. Now let's go back to verse 49. He says at the end of that, he says, you know, I came to send fire on the earth. And he says this, how I wish it were already kindled. I mean, if, if fire then is judgment, I mean, is, is, is he really just waiting To judge me. He can't wait until he judges me. He can't wait until he gets to throw that lightning bolt down on me. He can't wait until he can just take me and cast me into hell for forever. No, that's not what he's talking about at all. The great dividing place in this chapter is not the throne room after the second coming. It's not the judgment seat of Christ. Where's the great dividing place? It's the cross. It is the cross. What Jesus is saying is, I wish it were already over. Jesus has just a few months before He's going to be at Calvary and He's going to be nailed to that cross. But you know good and well, it has been on His mind probably the whole time of His ministry. He knows what's coming. He knows. You want to you see a good picture of the humanity of Jesus? Then look in verse 50. When he says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. There are other places in the Gospels where Jesus uses that as a reference to his crucifixion. So, so I know that you already know that. We don't have to go into that. What I want you to see is what he says next. He says, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Can you sense that in Jesus' words? The cross is coming. I wish it were already over. I am distressed over the coming of the cross. The word that he uses for distress is a word which literally means to be hard-pressed from two different directions. It's, it's, like taking, it's like taking some kind of material and putting it in a vice and cranking that device so that both of those sides just continually push in. So on one side is the cross with its sin and its ugliness and its violence. And on the other side is the purpose of God. To fulfill the purpose of God, He has got to go through this episode with the cross. He says, I 
I am distressed. I wish it were over. It makes sense now why in just a few weeks he's going he's to be in the garden. He's going to pray, Father, if it's possible, please let this cup pass for me. If there is any other way for people to be saved, then don't make me go through this. But there's no other way. The wages of sin is death. And somebody has to pay. You can't pay for anybody else's, but you're accountable for your own. It's Jesus stepping out of eternity into this world and going to the cross. That creates the only two kind of people that there are in the world. Those who are saved and those who aren't. Two kind of people in the world. Those who are believers and those who aren't. Two kind of people in the world. Those who are headed toward heaven and those who are headed toward hell. Two kind of people in the world. Those who will have eternal life and those who will have eternal death. Always dying and yet never dying. That leads me then to the final truth I want to give to you today. I know that the great dividing person is Christ. I know that the great dividing place is the cross. What I want you to know further is that the great dividing point is your choice. It's your choice. It's what you do with Jesus. It's what you do with the gospel. Look, if you will, down to verse number 52. Verse number 52, he begins that. To me, this one is a strange beginning to a verse, especially a verse being found here at this particular junction. He says, for from now on. Why, why would he say that? What, what has occurred in these, in these last couple of verses that would make him say that something is going to change, that something is different from now on. Why is that going to change? You, you say, well, you just said it's the cross. No, it's not the cross. Not yet. Remember verse number 49? He said, I've come to bring fire. And I wish it were already kindled. A kindled fire is a started fire. It hasn't started yet. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, he's ready for it to be over for sure. He's ready to be able to go through that and be on the other side. No doubt. So what's he talking about? What about the from now on? What they have heard is the same thing that you have heard. It's the same thing that the people at the park heard on Monday. 
what they've heard is a gospel message. And an invitation from Jesus Himself to join His family. They've heard the witness of the good news. They've heard the warning of the bad news. And it is decision time. Once you've heard, you're accountable for what you've heard. So from now on, from now on, the division will already be there. From now on, you'll have to live with the choices that you make. From now on, those choices can only be changed in one direction. It's a decision that you yourself have to make. The preacher can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. Your friends can't make it for you. Your enemies can't make it for you. Your kids can't make it for you. Your boss can't make it for you. You have to decide what are you going to do with Jesus. And so either way, from now on, Everything is divided. Everything. Even down to your most basic relationships. Everything changes. When you say yes to Jesus, everything changes. When you say no to Jesus. Jesus picks up on this element of our families and those most basic relationships. Look, if you will, down in verse number 53. Well, back in verse 52, sorry. Verse 52, he said, from now on, in a house of five, or five will be in one house, that house will be divided. He says three against two, two against three. By the way, that's, that's not an exact thing. It doesn't mean that if you don't have a family of five, then this isn't you. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is in your family no matter how many people's in your family. It doesn't have to be three to two. It could be four to one. It could be five and oh, you know? But typically what Jesus is saying is because decisions are individual, you're going to find some families who are divided over the gospel. They're divided over the cross. They're divided over who Jesus is. And in verse number 53, he picks them out and he mentions the people in this family of five. He talks about a father and a mother. He talks about a son and a daughter. He talks about a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. All right, I know what some of you are thinking. That's six. That ain't five. Well, you forget that mother-in-law is also mother, right? Forget that son is also son-in-law. You forget that the daughter is there, or the wife is still the daughter-in-law. The issue, though, is not math. The issue is what happens within this family. What happens when dad decides for Christ? By the way, can I tell you statistically what happens? When dad gets saved first in a home, 84% of the time, every member in that household will be saved. Every one of them. 
Because dad takes on that spiritual responsibility for his family. It's not to say that mom doesn't do a good job if she's first. It doesn't mean to say that kids don't do a good job if they're first. But when dad gets saved, it makes a difference in the whole family. You may have a, you may have a family where you're saved, but maybe your dad, man, he is he is so against it. You, you, you may have such a close relationship with your mom. Your mom's a believer. And you just don't see it her way. You think in-laws have troubles? <laughs> it's not just about politics and religion. It's about Jesus. Here's the point. No matter what anybody else does, no matter. No matter if somebody says yes or somebody says no to Jesus. You are responsible for saying yes to Jesus. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus died on a cross for your sins. His Holy Spirit right now, I believe throughout this place, is whispering into the hearts of some people to say, you need to say yes to Jesus. Would you do that? Would you? There were 32 people Monday night who heard that very same message. 32 men and women and boys and girls who said yes to Jesus. As I started going through those roles, you know what I noticed? Sometimes they were brothers and brothers and sisters. I talked at length yesterday to a mom who her and her two daughters asked Jesus to come in their heart. It's a beautiful thing. Then it comes time to say yes publicly for Jesus. So let me ask you this. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Let me ask you a very personal, pointed question. Have you ever come to a point in your life, in your own heart, where you genuinely repented of your sins, trusted Jesus, and ask Him to come into your heart. The Bible says that He says that He will do that. You can have confidence in Him even if you don't have confidence in me. He will do it. Can I ask you to do this for me? Nobody's looking around. Everybody's got their head bowed. Everybody's got their eyes closed. If you've ever asked Jesus to come in your heart and you know that He did, would you raise your hand? You can put it right back down. Has there ever been a time in your life you did? You asked Jesus to come in your heart? He did. Did you make it known to other people? Did you follow Him in that first step of obedience, baptism? If you were baptized after your conversion experience, 
I want to ask you to raise your hand. Okay, you can put them right back down. Let me ask you this. If you didn't raise your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand either time. If you've never asked Jesus to come in your heart, really mean it. I mean, you know, you've really repented of your sins. You really have placed your faith and trust in Him. You haven't really done that before. I mean, maybe you've gone through some motions, but you really haven't. He really hasn't come in. But you want to today. You want to know that you know that you belong to Him. Would you raise your hand? You can put it right back down. Did you, or would you, want to follow the Lord in baptism? Maybe you raised your hand the first time, but you didn't raise your hand the second time. We want to take care of those things. If you're at a point in your life where you, you, you would say, Tim, I, I feel like I need to be baptized. Would you raise your hand? You can put it right back down. Father, you know what's going on in the heart of every person. And it's your Spirit who draws them to yourself. I'm so grateful that when you came knocking, I finally said yes. I pray, Father, that you would do that for these, that you would give them courage that they would step forward and say, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. Or maybe I, need to, maybe I need to find a place. Maybe I need to be baptized. Maybe I need to find a place to put my church membership. Or maybe they would simply say, you know what? I mean, I've done all those things, but my life's really not a whole lot different than other people who haven't. And I want to make a change. I want Jesus to help me to live a life that honors Him. Maybe you want to come to me. Maybe you want to come to the altar. Whatever you need to do today, though, I want you to do it. Jesus, do your work. Let your Spirit do His and have freedom. And you be glorified and honored today as you revive your people and you bring others into new life. Bless you today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.